Entrepreneur on Fire 570. What are you waiting for? Tickets to a rocket ship? Well, here you go and hang on tight as John Lee Dumas is about to take you on a wild ride. Ignite. Fire Nation. FreshBooks is the simple online accounting solution built for small business owners just like you. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Visit getfreshbooks.com and enter fire in the how did you hear about us section. Hate losing your place while reading? Audiobooks.com has patented technology that lets you switch between devices without ever losing your place. Woo! And guess what? You can get your first book for free today. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Peter Reinhardt. Peter, are you prepared to ignite? Yes. All right. Peter has the privilege of working at Segment.io with upstanding, intelligent, and hilarious friends. Together, they built an analytics API that helps companies use their data easily and effectively. Giving our listeners just a little overview, Peter, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Seattle, Washington, Um, went to school in Boston at MIT, studied aerospace engineering. And uh, through sort of a trick of who my roommates were, I ended up uh, working in a tech business here in Silicon Valley. And the company we run now is called Segment.io, and it's basically a platform that helps web companies manage their customer data. So we help them collect data from their website, from their mobile apps, uh, their servers, their call centers, etc. And then we help them route that data to a slew of different tools, whether it's for dashboarding or email marketing, uh, conversion tracking, heat mapping, sort of you name it. And we're basically the pipes and reservoir for that customer behavioral data. Mm-hmm. And our customers love it because they integrate Segment.io once, and then they can just toggle on new tools by basically flipping a switch. So, And that used to take them weeks of work. So we save them a bunch of time, and uh, we get to play around with data all day long. So, Peter, isn't it funny how sometimes your entire life's journey can change just by who you were randomly in place with in college, your roommates? Yeah, you know, it's actually, it's pretty random. Uh, A friend and I from Seattle were wandering around at MIT Prefrosh weekend, (laughs) and uh, we happened to run into, we walked into this building, and we were kind of upset with the fact that we hadn't met any really normal people yet. Not that at that point in time I was particularly normal, but we walked into this building, we walked into a random room, and because we heard normal sounding voices, and uh, we met this guy named Ilya, and that was the first normal person that we had met on campus. Prefrosh tended to be a little weird, uh, and we and three of us ended up being roommates um, freshman year, and uh, now we're three of the three of the four co-founders here at Segment. Yeah. So yeah, it was a. Uh, Extremely random, just walking into a random room. Oh, I love how life can be so random sometimes, Fire Nation. Don't take anything for granted. And Peter, you did a pretty great job. You know, if you are a programmer, you really get analytics describing what segment IO does. But here at Fire Nation, listen, we're an audience of entrepreneurs, of sidepreneurs, of small business owners. Give us a real world example of how segment IO has helped one of your clients. One particular customer example is Live Nation. They own Ticketmaster. Um, they you know, sell tickets to concerts and things like that. And they used to integrate this tool manually called Omniture. So Omniture is a, a big, beefy analytics tool, sort of business intelligence used to analyze 
which customers are purchasing which tickets. And it used to take them months, really, of developer, of engineering time to get that data out of their mobile apps and out of their website and into a useful form for their marketers and analysts. So now with Segment.io, they installed Segment.io in about a day, and then they pressed an on button to turn on Omniture. All that data flowed to Omniture as Omniture would expect it, and the engineers got back to working on the, the mobile app, which is what actually matters to them. So it basically, you can think about it as saving a lot of engineering time in um, instrumenting a website to uh, collect data so that you can understand what your customers are doing. Segment IO, work on what matters. I mean, that's a powerful story, Peter, of how somebody's used that in a first-person example. So thank you for sharing that. And here at Fire Nation, Peter, we always start our interviews off with a success quote because we really want to get that motivational ball rolling. I did a little segue because I wanted to share a real story first so people could really <laughs> grasp what you do at Segment IO. So we're going to dive into that success quote right now. So take it away. My dad has always been incredibly supportive of everything I do. And in high school, I used to start a lot more things than I finished. And I remember once I stopped working on sort of yet another side project. And he looked me in the eye and he said, eventually, you're going to have to buckle down and learn to finish things. Um, and I don't know if he remembers that moment. But I always find it gives me another quarter tank of gas when <laughs> I think I can't go any further. Uh, and it definitely helped me through sort of a dark year and a half of, of early segment IO. Let's really kind of get down to that, though, because, again, we love sharing specific examples. So you said you had a dark year and a half at Segment IO. How was one time where this quote like really got you through that? Like, Take us to that moment. We did Y Combinator in the summer of 2011, uh, which is sort of like a, a small investor um, group here in Silicon Valley. And at the end of that, we raised a seed round, and we started working on what at the time was a real-time lecture tool for the classroom, so totally different. Um, and we were beta testing it that fall in classrooms at Berkeley and Boston University and MIT and so forth. And, you know, we were sitting in the classroom and, and looking at how people were using the tool. And basically, instead of using our tool on their laptops, they were using Facebook. And so we realized that this wasn't going to work. And we decided to pivot the company to or basically just stop working on that product altogether. We killed that product and started working on a new product. And that month of transition between the old product that had clearly failed and trying to find a new product um, was pretty dark in the sense that um, we didn't really know what we were doing. We knew that we had just raised money and so we needed to like work on something coherent, um, but we didn't know what people would want. We didn't know what we could sell. Um, and it was sort of a moment where we could have given up and said, you know what, we'll just pay back the investors and move on. Um, but I remembered my dad's quote of you need to finish things. And uh, so we found a new idea but that was turned out to be just the beginning. Um, <laughs> and we worked on that new idea, which is something akin to Google Analytics or Mixpanel. It's basically an analytics tool. Uh, and it turns out it's a really crowded marketplace. So we were going to be one of thousands of tools trying to do the same thing. And we ended up working on that for about a year without really getting any traction on the tool. Um, and we had actually built some pretty cool technology, but we didn't know how to sell it. We didn't know how to market it. Uh, we didn't know how to get it in front of users and convince people to use it. And, you know, at, at some point during that year, well, at many points during that year, you'd think when we had no growth and, and no customers really like supporting the vision that we thought we had, um, that was all a pretty dark time, but where I, I didn't feel like it was possible to give up and uh, sort of stick to my dad's lesson. It's important to finish things. 
So, Peter, let's kind of go to that limbo period. You've raised money, you have investors, and then you decide to kind of fold up shop with that idea and go in search of another one. What's it like during that limbo period with your investors? How are they dealing with you? What's that interaction? It's very awkward, first of all, Um, because you just sold them on the vision behind this big idea. Right. Um, But all of a sudden, the data with, you know, we had a vision, but the data wasn't matching, reality wasn't matching that vision. So um, we worked really hard for a month to collect enough data to really say conclusively that this really is not going to work. And the best use for your money is not for us to bang our heads against the wall and try to force it to work. Reality is just not agreeing with it. Um, so I think we, the key thing was to work hard to prove that we weren't just being finicky, that we weren't giving up, that it realistically was not going to work. Then it was pretty straightforward. We called them up where I called them up and explained to them what was going on and, um, offered to pay them back. And two of them asked to be paid back and the rest said, you know what? We believe in you as a team. Find something new. Find something new. So they were investing in the entrepreneur not the actual idea. I think this is a valuable lesson, Fire Nation. I remember having a guest on the show recently, and he was telling a story about how you know one of his friends had this investor invest $24 million into this company, and the company did well for a little bit, but then it went belly up. And so the guy went to you know his friend and said, well, I guess you know, you're done with that investor. I mean, you've lost all his money. And the friend goes, actually the exact opposite. Now, this guy just looks at giving me a $24 million education and what doesn't work, now he expects me to come through on this next thing, so I'm working harder than ever. So it's it's about the individual. It's not so much about the idea because the individuals can't be replaced. The innovation, Peter, that you and your team can come up with and now with Segment IO, the success is, is really passionate to see. And you've been doing a great job thus far, Peter, of telling stories, of taking us down to the ground level. And you shared a lot of your journey so far, but what I really want to do now is bring it down to the ground level. I want to be there next to you, Peter, at an exact moment when you failed, when you faced this major trial and tribulation. We've glazed over a bunch of those, but really take us to one moment when you failed and talk to us about those lessons you learned. The story that I've been thinking of is, uh, is a personal failure, but turned out to be very good for the company, Cool, which I think is an interesting combination. Yeah. Back at the very beginning of this whole story, when we had just left MIT and started um, into Y Combinator, we tried to build this basically internal library. So this is while we were building the uh, classroom lecture tool and so forth. We built this small internal library that could send analytics data uh, off to three different services. So it could send data to Google Analytics, it could send data to Kissmetrics, and it could send data to uh, Mixpanel. And we wanted to use those three services to understand what our users were doing. And... After sort of the dark year of Segment.io, while we tried to build a service that would compete with those three, we realized, you know, there's probably a there's probably a better way for us to sell this analytics service that isn't working. So what if we add Segment.io as a fourth service to those three that we supported with this wrapper and use that as sort of a, a way to get more customers to... Uh, to use our product? And so we started using that, and we put the the repo on, uh, on GitHub and people started paying attention to that and contributing to that. And then at some point in December of 2012, um, my co-founder Ian said, you know, there's a really big business behind this wrapper. And I thought to myself, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> um, 
And I went home that night and said, what? And I was just struggling with myself. How, what is the fastest way that I can kill this idea? Uh, like, how can I make this go away? We need to focus on our existing product, um, which, you know, had been failing for a year. And so I figured out, you know, okay, the best way to kill this is for us to put it on a site called Hacker News, sort of like Reddit. Um, and it'll, you know, get, go straight to the bottom. Everyone will ignore it. And then we can get back to you business. You get laughed at. A hundred holes will get torn into it. Yeah, perfect. This, is, this will kill it off. So <laughs> went in the next day, convinced them it was the right idea. We put it on Hacker News. Um, and it went straight to the top, got, you know, tens of thousands of visitors, got a thousand stars on GitHub. Um, and I was proven completely wrong. And it was a personal failure and a lot more than just like I miscalled that, um, that particular product decision. But I think it represented sort of a failure over the course of that entire year to be humble and listen to what people actually wanted. Um, it was sort of like the ultimate lesson in humility that a year's worth of effort had been so proven wrong over the span of about 12 hours. Listen, Fire Nation, nothing more valuable than listen to your audience can be shared with this lesson right now because that's what I have completely focused my business on. When I started, I didn't know where I was going product, service-wise, and Thankfully, I figured it out. I listened to Fire Nation. You tell me what your pains are, what your struggles are, what those obstacles and challenges are, what you need and desire, and then I create that solvent for that. And that's exactly what Peter has has done, and he stumbled upon that, and he was just like, this isn't going to work, but then he actually threw it out there and then listened to that response. So great stuff, Peter. And what I want to do now is go to the other end of the spectrum, because you just share with us that failure that obviously turned into something pretty awesome, which is cool. And that often happens for entrepreneurs. But now take us to a moment in time when you had a light bulb that went off, when you said, wow, this is me. This is Peter Reinhardt. I resonate with this. Take us to that story, Peter. Share that with us and the steps you took to turn that moment into success. So I think kind of ironically, that was somewhat the same moment um, in the sense that I real it was at that moment that I basically understood that that dark year had been a massive failure. Um, and it was the turning around of that moment that sort of highlighted how and why I had been failing there. Um, and I think the, the key thing on the dark side was that it had been failing because I hadn't been listening and because... Um, we hadn't really been humble about our vision and like paying attention to what people really wanted. We had an idea for what we thought the world needed, but the world was telling us that they weren't interested. Um, but I think at that point it sort of all turned around into sort of this simultaneously like happy, sad aha moment where we realized we had been screwing up, but we also saw exactly what we needed to do. And it was sort of simultaneously aligned with having something that people did want suddenly. And walk us through those steps, Peter. What did it look like when you decided to take action on that aha moment? Yeah, so that was basically the same day that we that we put that on Hacker News and we saw it get a thousand stars. We said, wow, you know what? There is something behind this. We haven't been paying attention to it and we haven't been thinking about how we're listening in the right ways. So going forward, we will basically adjust to be listening in those ways. So we'll take the like hundred people who are actually using this thing now and dive down into why it is that they want it and just keep building the things that those people want. Um, and so really the first from then, then on is sort of like the beginning of segment IO, if you will, after the, after the dark year and a half. Um, and so from then on, it was basically just listening as 
much as possible to what people wanted. And somewhat oddly, actually throwing out the door, even us trying to like assign a vision to it. So for the first six months, we were very purposely didn't have a vision. The first six months was we found this thing that people want. It's somewhat surprising to us. Let's find out how deep it is. Let's run the gamut so we can try to um, figure out how this product can morph in such a way that it becomes meaningful. And for us, that meant not just a wrapper in the browser, but an API that could do the server-side events, an API for mobile devices, supporting more than just four integrations, but now we support almost 100. So it was really in just having then found something, listening really, really carefully to what those people appreciated about it and what more they needed in it. So Peter, through all of this, through the ups and the downs, through the aha moments and the listening to your audience, what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment? Take us to that moment in time. In the same time that I was trying to kill the idea, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we actually were able to prove so conclusively in that such a short period of time that it was a good idea. Um, so even though it was like a moment of skepticism, I think oftentimes entrepreneurs or founding teams aren't skeptical enough about their ideas. And sometimes that leads them to go down the wrong path for too long. Um, and I think we were lucky in having a founding team that was large enough that we were sort of able to let me be skeptical while other, some of the other co-founders could believe so strongly in it. But that led us to test it. Um, so I, th- I think that, that that moment where we really so clearly validated and tested the idea um, was somewhat unique and something I'm, I'm pretty proud of that we stumbled upon, as it were. The power of the team, Fire Nation. And for you, Peter, you have a great team. They're friends. You know, you guys laugh together. You, you know, enjoy each other's company. I mean, that's so powerful on this journey that you're on because for entrepreneurs, so many of us are actually solopreneurs. You know, we're by ourselves. We're out there. You know, there's desolation. You know, we feel like we're so disconnected from the rest of the world. And, you know, that's why it's so important to have mentors and masterminds and people that you're engaging with and listening to shows, you know, like this and audiobooks to stay connected to things that are going on right now. And Peter, even when we do all of these things and you have this great team in place, there's still the emotional highs and lows, that roller coaster that every entrepreneur is on. I mean, I want you to talk right now to Fire Nation about one way that you found it to be pretty effective to keep some semblance of a balance. What I've tried to do is create basically a separate process in my head. So there's the process of me here right now. And there's also another process running right now that's observing how I'm talking to you. That's observing how I'm speaking. That's observing my emotional ups and downs right now. And it's a little hard to like run a separate process at the same time. Um, but it's really useful for sort of introspection. Um, and I think that when you have that process and you're able to observe yourself in real time and sort of, attempt to critique yourself and understand why you're feeling low right now, then you're able to say, oh, I'm, I'm feeling lower than I should right now because there were also this other thing that I'm not paying attention to that happened two days ago that was awesome. Hmm. And so it's almost like conscious manipulation um, of, your, of your own psyche. Um, but I find it's very helpful. I guess that actually is something that I learned playing tennis in high school. Um, the when you're playing tennis, there's sort of like the exact position of your wrist matters, the exact way in which you throw up the ball matters. Everything 
every subtle motion, and this is probably true of, of all sports, matters a huge amount in like the final performance. It has to become second nature, but there's only sort of one way of fixing it in the game, which is to have a separate process that's observing yourself and saying, you know what, I was using the wrong grip on the racket. I threw the ball into slightly the wrong place. I need to change that next time. And so I think in playing tennis, I learned to create a second process that would observe myself. Um, and I think that that sort of like out of body process has a way of um, damping out the things that are emotional ups and downs. Peter, let's talk right now. Let's talk present time. Share with us, share with Fire Nation the one thing of the many things, but just one thing that has you most fired up today. I think the thing that has me most fired up today is the fact that we just had an incredible march uh, for the company. Um, we grew revenue by 160%. Whoa. It's incredibly exciting to have that and know that everyone on the team is so awesome and fired up about that as well. I guess it's sort of like the feeling of team gel uh, and knowing that everything is going really right. Now, do you let those revenue numbers kind of slip to those investors who uh, dropped off? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Good man, Peter. You're better than that. Live a life of abundance, not a life of fear and scarcity. And Peter, we're about to hit the lightning round. But before we do, let's thank our sponsors. Ah, there's nothing better than having targeted audio content at my fingertips. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and audiobooks.com, of course. If you love consuming audio content as much as I do, then you're going to love audiobooks.com. In addition to their online library that boasts over 40,000 titles, including bestsellers, new releases, and all of your business favorites like the 4-Hour Workweek, Crush It, and Utility, Audiobooks has an industry-leading bookmarking technology. Sound random? Um, try downloading multiple audiobooks and listening to them simultaneously. The bookmarking technology is such a lifesaver. You'll never lose your place again, even when switching between devices. If you're looking for great audio content that you can listen to instantly from anywhere, check out audiobooks.com today. You can download audiobooks to your Apple or Android device for offline listening or stream them instantly. Check out all the great benefits of becoming a member and get your first book for free today at audiobooks.com slash fire. Fire Nation. For entrepreneurs, it seems like it's always tax time. And if you're not using FreshBooks, your life is a mess right now. Hunting for receipts, digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. The worst. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. With FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a couple clicks. Work from anywhere with FreshBooks mobile apps for your phone and tablet. The sooner you start using FreshBooks, the sooner you can start focusing on the work you love. Focus on your work, Fire Nation, not on your paperwork. Right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners a 30-day free trial to make tax time a breeze. To get started, visit GetFreshBooks.com and enter FIRE in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's GetFreshBooks.com and enter FIRE in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. We've now reached my favorite part of the show, the lightning rounds, where you get to share some incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Basically, I didn't believe I could do it. 
Um, and there's actually two events that caused me to understand that I could. And the first was at the beginning of junior year at MIT, I was taking a class called Founder's Journey. And my now co-founder, Ilya, and I were taking the class together, and there was a speaker named Adam Smith, who's the founder of a big company here in Silicon Valley. And I thought, wow, this guy is so impressive. This is incredible. Uh, awesome to hear him speak. You know, put him on a pedestal. And right afterwards, Ilya comes over to me and he says, hey, dude, we should invite Adam back for beers at the dorm. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? That's a terrible idea. Uh, and he's like, too bad I'm doing it. So he walks away and he goes up to Adam Smith and he says, hey, you want to come back to the dorm and grab beers? Adam Smith says, sure, absolutely. So he came back to our dorm and we, uh, we had a couple, a couple cold ones. And at that moment, it was very humanizing to realize like, okay, this is just a normal dude. Like I can go to a dorm and have a beer. Like what's the big deal? Um, and so I thought, you know what? Maybe I can do that. And then the second event was one of the teachers of that class, uh, Hamon, who's actually an investor in Segment.io now, uh, told, was o- sort of open for office hours. And so I went over there and I pitched him on a pretty bad idea I had at the time. <laughs> and he said, oh, sounds cool. Uh, you know, if things are going well in the spring, we'd be happy to put in a couple hundred K. And at the time, I think I probably had about $400 in my bank account. I was a student, etc. And the idea of just like that much money being sort of on the table was completely mind blowing. And uh, those two events really like brought down the sort of difficulty or I guess like uh, in the pie in the sky kind of uh, perception that I had about what it would mean to start a company uh, and made it feel very achievable. So I think the the key thing was just believing that I could do it uh, and then once I believed we could do it, then it was possible. Peter, what's the best advice you've ever received? It's actually a lesson from Paul Bouquet and Paul Graham, who are two of the uh, guys at Y Combinator. And they recommend starting with something small that a few people love. So not a big idea, but a very small idea. And then big ideas are just the route out to more people after you have the small idea. And that seems to be how most of the very successful big companies are started but they sort of have an amnesia about how they got to the big idea. Share one of your personal habits, Peter, that you believe contributes to your success. I think it's that I really enjoy working on things and I really enjoy building things. You know, nothing is easy, so you better enjoy it if you're going to do something hard. Peter, do you have an internet resource like a segment IO that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Uh, Yeah, you should check out Paul Graham's essays, uh, paulgraham.com and then click essays. Love that. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we're chatting about in today's episode at eofire.com slash Peter Reinhardt. And Peter, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? I think it would be How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, I think that is probably the single biggest force that pushes me to become a better person every day. Um, And I I study it pretty regularly. It's a pretty mind-blowing book. Fire Nation, this book is mind-blowing. It has a great audio version, has a great written form, and I know you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book just like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Peter, this is the last question of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. 
You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter taken care of. But all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? It sounds like the uh, biggest problem is that you don't know anyone. Right. That's pretty critical for getting anything done. So the best way to meet people that I've found is to go to college and to contribute to open source software. So I would probably apply for a master's program and work on open source repos on GitHub. Boom. I love how you just dove into what the source of the problem is with this scenario, Peter. And I think Fire Nation, you can take a lot from that. You know, Peter's identified the number one problem. He's going directly after how to solve that. And because of that, I have no doubt he'd be back on top. And Peter, man, I have enjoyed hearing your journey and segment IO. What a great success story thus far. 160% increase from last month to this month. Awesome stuff, my friends. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to working hard and not giving up that last quarter tank. Just find a way to inspire yourself with the last quarter tank. It always takes more than you think. Um, And you can find me either at segment.io under the about page or at rein.pk. Well, Peter, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've been chatting about, your book recommendation, resources, everything at eofire.com. Fire Nation, just type Peter in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Peter, thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, are you using webinars to sell your products, to build your email list, to grow your brand awareness? Why the heck not? I know that can be scary, but with Webinar on Fire, we take you step by step on how to create, present, and convert your webinar. Podcasters Paradise did over $500,000 in sales on live webinars in just four months. And on this free live workshop, we'll show you how you can start hosting your webinar today. Webinaronfire.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 